Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are continuing our journey through the Gospel of John this week as we are joined by the Reverend Dr. John Guest. He will be preaching out of John chapter 2, discussing the wedding at Cana. Please don't forget to check out the app or the website for your on your own reading for this week. Here is his message. Thank you for listening. And we're starting off a series, actually begun last week, about that you may believe. You saw the big sign as you drove in. That you may believe. John wrote his gospel so that folks like you and me could come to a living and real faith. Not just playing church. Not just going through the religious motions. You know, you can do that. Just like you can in life, in family life, business, whatever. Chapter 20 of John verse 31, and I listened to Pastor Jared give that brilliant in information last week as he entered us into this pathway about believing. And he quoted from John chapter 20 toward the end of the gospel and verse 31, where it says that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing in him, in his name, you might have life. That's the reason John wrote the gospel. Our reading this morning concluded with that thought that Jesus, having changed water into wine, demonstrating his power over the inanimate world, he doesn't just give us spiritual truth, he doesn't just give us truth, He doesn't just give us good psychology or relational development. He has power over the whole world. Remember last week, John's Gospel begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and then you go down to verse 14, it says who the Word was. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of Grace and truth. That's verse 14. So you sort of take that information back up to verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word, Jesus, was God. Listen to these words. All things were made through him. And nothing was made without him. It was all made by and through Jesus. What does that tell you? That Jesus pre-existed creation. He is the author of creation. However, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit worked that out. Jesus was invested and involved. And when it comes to changing water into wine then, how big a deal is that to somebody like Jesus? I mean, one of the apologetics, that is, the sort of arguments about faith goes to the evidence. And the huge evidence gets down to who was Jesus. Because if he was, listen very carefully, who he said he was, and he did what he said he could do, then he is the answer. Listen to this. If he is not who he said he was, he can't deliver what he promised. 
It's who was, who is this man? When they saw him pull off what he did, and the drama of that is pretty spectacular. Back in my youth ministry and student days, we used to get into the drama. I'll do a little bit of that this morning. I mean, can you imagine, just get this picture, the help, as we call it nowadays, you know, the people we have paid to come and help us with the party. And by the way, this steward was a professional wedding planner. I don't know if you've been to a wedding where somebody, this is something of an affront to a minister who's going to be doing the wedding, but the couple will get a wedding planner who runs the whole show. And they come up and they tell the minister where to stand and how the, the, the wedding party is to get itself organized and then you step in and do what you do. I can take that so long as I'm not having to run the whole show myself. I, it's a help. Anyway, Jesus says to the help, you've got to get the drama here. Because they've run out of wine. He's had a conversation with his mother. She wants him to pull something off spectacular. He said, my time hasn't yet come. By the way, I give you this in parenthesis. Throughout John's gospel, because we're going to be working our way through it, it continually says, his time had not yet come. He would say, my time had not yet come. You get to chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus said, knowing that his time had come. He made moves that led him straight to the cross. This was it. That's what, it, what, that's what he was here for. So you're the front end of his ministry where he's going to do his first miracle. The Jesus who is described in chapter 1 now physically, visibly, is going to demonstrate the truth of that in chapter 2 of John. He's going to change water into wine. And this has been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and the Son of God, and that in believing it, you might have life through his name. You see how that piece fits. So to go back to it, they're out of wine. A wedding in those days was a two- or three-day celebration, and for a big, big wedding, maybe even longer. It wasn't turning up for an hour in church and three hours at some banquet. It was days. It was a community affair. Big deal. The bridegroom actually kind of snuck in. The the whole drama was pretty spectacular, but to run out of wine in the Middle East, you bear in mind they didn't have refrigerators. They occasionally had some ice. Very rarely in the Middle East. So this fermented drink is a staple. And they have run out of wine. Mary obviously had some responsibility because she comes up to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. Like, do something. Do something. He says, and then then they have their little conversation. And then she says to the help, Listen to these words, because he says it to you this morning, or Mary says it to you this morning. Whatever he says to you, do it. She was Mrs. Nike. Just do it. Whatever he says, just do it. 
So what's he going to do? The help's there. And it says close by. It literally just says close by. So it's like right here were these water pots. Let me tell you something. That was old, grubby water in there. What we call non-potable, not drinkable. It was at the entrance normally. So it was open to the elements. It was used for ceremonial cleansing of hands. No worry about double dipping. And sprinkling your feet. And sometimes other ceremonies. It had, the water was down some. They had this big banquet. All kinds of people had their hands into that stuff. He says to the help, top up those water pots. They haven't got a clue what he's going to do. I mean, you're sitting there saying, oh, yeah, I know that. Just imagine you are the help. The mother, who's got some responsibility, has said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And he says, fill them up to the top. It actually says he, they filled it up to the brim. <laughs> this is the fun part. Then he says, serve it up to the head table. What do they think's there? Water that you wouldn't want to drink. Can you see those guys chatting about that as they're sort of laid, they go to ladle it? We've been to some of these affairs, but this will top it all. Wait till they get a mouthful of this stuff. I mean, served up as wine? But when they do, it is better than anything that's already been served. So the chap, the professional who's responsible for seeing that everything works, goes to the bridegroom and says, this is spectacular. This stuff is better than any of the other stuff. Normally you give them the cheap stuff after they've had a drink or two. And in doing that, Jesus demonstrated his glory, it says. His glory. That's who he is. And his disciples put their faith in him. Now a couple of other little introductory things. When it says his disciples, he'd only picked five at that time and they're all named except one in chapter one of of John. Andrew was the first. He went and got Peter. And then Philip and Nathaniel. And there's one who's unnamed. Five. So he had five at the time. His disciples saw that and they put their faith in him. They knew what the story was. They were like behind the scene, working, watching the help, watching Jesus, hanging out with him and saw what had happened. And they became believers. They became believers. One of the evidences when you come to the Gospels and the life, therefore, the biographies of Jesus, we don't have time to work at it here this morning. But one of the evidences is that Jesus pulled off all kinds of stuff like walking on water who does that defying therefore gravity who created gravity an unseen force gravity created by an unseen savior Jesus in taking that wine out of water demonstrated a power like walking on water, like calming a storm. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? 
the disciples asked. Taking a few loaves and feeding 5,000, multiplying bread, it's a creative thing. He has that power. And the demonstration of that made believers out of those original disciples and the ultimate power, the ultimate evidence is the resurrection. Because when it says he, uh, many other powerful things he did, mighty works he did that are not recorded in this gospel, it's post-resurrection. That is post-resurrection. That's already happened. When Jesus walked out of the grave alive, that was like the final seal on his authority and his power and his glory. Who does that? And the idea is that you would believe. But to back off now, come back to the scene. Isn't it great that Jesus turns up at weddings? I know you expect he might turn up in church. Though some churches I've been to, you wonder. You expect folks like me to be talking about him and like we really believe. And we do. We have our struggles as you do. But we've committed our lives to this, not as a profession to earn money, but as a way of life to pass on good news. When I went into the ministry, I trained to be an engineer. I have three brothers. And one of them called up and said to my mother when he found out I was going to be a parson. You know those limp-wristed British? Talk rather like this. Like that. He said, I thought John had more ambition than that. That was his comment to my mother. (laughs) He thought I had gone nuts. You know, like, what do you want to do that for, for a living? For a life? Because Jesus, that same Jesus who changed water into wine, came into my life and transformed my life from the inside out, experientially. It's one thing to deal with the intellectual answers that you can find. It's another to get into the experiential answer. To know it's real. To see it and experience it. Listen to this. A group went to the March for Life a week after the ladies had their big march in Washington, D.C., Again, tens of thousands turned up for the March for Life. We had a packed bus go down there to Washington, D.C., right from here, out of this parking lot. Pastor Barry was heading that up. And coming back after the march, they stopped at... It's gone right out of my head. What is the place on the term? Breezewood. Breezewood. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, you were ready with that answer. Breezewood. (laughs) And because the driver had already done more than his time, or as much as the driving as he could do legally, another driver got on the bus at Breezewood and drove the rest away from Breezewood to Mount Nebo here. And it was after they, our people had gotten off and gotten some fried chicken and whatever else, this guy gets on, and they're t- taking off, and Pastor Barry... There's a microphone on the bus. You can stand at the front very carefully. He called people to the front of the bus with the mic 
to tell how God had blessed their lives, real stuff in their lives. So one after another, people who were just sitting on the bus got up and talked through the microphone and told everybody else what God had done in their lives. They're getting closer to home here when the driver takes the microphone, still driving. Maybe he went this way. (laughs) Takes the microphone and says, you have no idea what you have just done for me. He said, when I was a young man, he said, I became a firefighter. And my first fire, three kids were burned to death. And I had the job of putting their bodies in body bags. It's like the flesh was falling off the bone. He said, and for years I've anguished over that. Where was God in all this? He said, and you all will never know how what you have said here has rescued me, has changed me. He was in church here last Sunday, both services. He took in this and the other. He may be here this morning. Come up here. Come up here. David. Come on. This is David. Just stay right here. Am I telling the truth, David? Hey, wait, just, if you stand next to me, you all get seated. You better turn up next week now they've all stood up. Come, come right here. Because you, you'll need this microphone. Ah, right. Tell them roughly what you said, because I'm quoting somebody who was quoting you. Well, in a, in a bus when they were talking, I, my heart got very, very heavy because of that fire. Uh, happened to be Christmas Eve, and I was thinking, I got mad at the Lord for doing this to me. I just had a baby girl, and I had these three girls. It, it passed, and I just couldn't understand why he would do that. Was he at his party or what, to let these three little girls go like this? After, he just gave me a loving little girl. And uh, I just couldn't understand if he's a God Almighty, and he could trained me to save people, why did he do that to me? And I don't understand it. I still have trouble with it. I have nightmares of it. Yes, I did have to put them in body. Yeah, they fall apart. That's a gruesome thing you don't want to ever see. But I just didn't understand why he would give me a precious little girl like that just a month ago, and then I had to deal with that. Why he let them go and then gave me, didn't give me the strength to save them. I burnt myself bad. I jumped in the house. He tried to keep me out, but I went in to try to get them. I knew they were gone, but I wanted to get the full bodies out. But I don't understand, and uh, my heart got very heavy, and there was a little girl on the bus that sang a song about children, and it really got me. <laughs> I could hardly drive the bus. I was tears in my eyes. I didn't say nothing. Barry didn't know what was going on up there, but... 
after I got on the flats and out of the snow, it was snowing up there in Somerset, and uh, I told Barry what happened. You know, I said, told him about my heart. So they said a prayer. They put their hands on me and said a prayer, and my heart got lighter. So there's something here, but I'm still struggling about them children, and and I, I just don't understand why he did that. But you know, I'm here today, and I'm going to keep coming to see if I could. Uh, Soften my heart and get this thing out of my head. But I appreciate all you guys and all the people on the bus are so nice to me and said prayers for me, and it helps. It really does help. Thank you. Thank you, David. Very much. Thank you. It's great when one of your illustrations turns up. Isn't that right? Because you wonder whether we're telling the truth or not. Some of you. But Jesus is the answer because you'll never understand how that all came to pass, David. Any more than the stuff that Pastor Barry is constantly dealing with and any of you are dealing with. We're not God. We We are living in a screwed up world. We know bad stuff happens to even good people. But when you come to Christ and you want him in your life, like you want him in your marriage, when you come to him, without you having all the intellectual answers, you get the real, down deep, in your soul, spiritual answer. Some of you know my dad committed suicide when I was seven. From that point on, I grew up without a dad. One of the great sadnesses of my life is that he never stayed around to see what became of me. Because I would have loved him to have seen me as his son, the preacher. But he never did. I could tell you, you have no idea the stuff that we go through too. And it's real. But when Christ comes in, like changing water into wine, he can change the ordinary, everyday stuff of your life and make it magnificent. I've got just enough time to tell you that I've got a clock down here giving me the time. (laughs) And I will go a bit beyond it. It's already clicking down on me. (laughs) Listen, the day I met my wife, the day I met her, she should have been married to someone else. How about those apples? I didn't know that. She was sitting at this table out at a ranch in Colorado, and she was beautiful, and just by a little glance, I, I was semi-hooked already just to look at her. I didn't make any moves other than to ask her if she could come and do evangelism with me on the East Coast later that summer. She talked to her boss and got the thumbs up. She was working in Seattle. I didn't know that the day I met her, she should have been married to someone else. See, what happened was, she got engaged and then had absolutely no peace between her and the Lord about it. Said yes, got the ring, and then was as unhappy on the inside, uncomfortable about it. 
no peace. So a couple of months went by and she broke the engagement. So she was free and available (laughs) when I turned up. But it was the Lord who led her. Now, how do you put that all together? I can tell you this. There was one point at which I was praying, Lord, if you want me to live the rest of my life single, you're going to have to do something to me. Because I want to be married. I want to love and be loved. I want to have a family. That was a couple of months before I get to meet Kathy. We were married within six months of meeting. We met in June and got married at Thanksgiving. Here was the big turning point for me. We were with maybe a dozen, 15 other students of Rehoboth Beach in Delaware for two weeks Hanging out on the beach, I was cool, guitar, hair, stuff, English, attracting an audience and talking about Jesus. And I asked her if she'd come and help. I asked her if she'd come and help because I wanted to check her out more. (laughs) She didn't know that. She was a naive, sweet girl. I ruined all that. No. (laughs) She... We're sitting on the porch as we had our morning Bible study very early in those two weeks when one of the students said, how is it that God leads you? I didn't know what she'd been through. How is it God leads you through reading the scripture? Well, I was already ordained on my theology and all that stuff. I don't know how I would have answered it then. And Kathy, the other end of that porch, piped up and said, It's not that God says, and I use contemporary places for us here, you should go and buy your groceries at the Giant Eagle or get your gas at the BP. But through reading his word, he conditions your heart to be sensitive to his leading. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Because I'd been praying to the Lord for a woman who would love Jesus and give her heart, sell out to him that we could spend our lives together serving him. And who do you think I got? Kathy is unbelievable. She's amazing. But thank you, Jesus, that she broke that other engagement. Thank you that she was willing to come and spend two weeks at Rehoboth Beach. The story is even more miraculous as it unfolds. But this year, we'll have been married 50 years. This year, this year, 50 years. Don't just clap. Send us a present in about six months' time, okay? (laughs) Who said that? That's good. You pray about it. Well... Invite Jesus into everything. Because, it was his, because he was at the wedding. And he turns up at a wedding. The rest of this stuff happens. And through your home, through your life, through your education. I mean, when the guys go bowling in a week or two, we're not just going to go and bowl. Jesus is going to be at that bowling alley 
When I became a believer, I went out on the soccer field with him. And I played soccer at a pretty high level in England. Got to an all-England final at the level at which we played. That's how good our team was. But when I gave my life to Jesus, age 18, when I stepped out on that field, I prayed and spoke to Jesus about the guy I'd be playing, spending a lot of time with down the other end of that field. That I might play a hard game and a fair game, but honor Jesus in it. Hey, all you young people, I started talking to him about my dating. Now, nobody preached a sermon. You're hearing me say it. But listen to this. You never marry someone you didn't date. So be careful who you date. That's the deal. Invite him into your life. In the ordinary, everyday affairs of your life, and like his turning up at that wedding and transforming the whole environment, and his disciples seeing something that transformed their lives, you can be party to it just in the same way. Pray with me, will you? Talk to the Lord, that is. He's there with you. He knows who you are. He knows what's going on. Well, Lord, thank you. Thank you for David, his being here this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in his life. Thank you for inspiring Pastor Barry to get folks up on their feet. Thank you for everyone who stood up and told the truth about you in their lives. Thank you for our being here together. You here with us, Lord. Same Jesus. The power you have. Please, Lord, help us to surrender to you and trust you and put our faith in you. And watch what you get done. Thank you, Lord Jesus.